0: Hey everyone, Wilson Cochran here, one of the pastors of Vineyard Northwest. And the message you're about to listen to, I started off by sharing a prophetic word that we got from a longtime staff member who recently passed away, Lee Marsh. This word we believe is um, very important for the season our church is in. So after you listen to the prophetic word, I will talk about Romans 12, 17, and 18. And in this passage, my heart was how do we as Christians live at peace with others through having peace and connection to God? I hope you enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, guys. Happy Sunday, almost August. Hey, my name is Wilson. Um, I'm one of the executive pastors here. And I just want to introduce myself to you, say so I'm glad that you're with us this morning. If you saw the the video that was just playing, we're in a series this summer called The Holy Spirit and Our New Nature. And actually, this morning, we're at our exact halfway point in the series. So I just really quick wanted to kind of show you where we've been so far, like a short, short mini review. And then I'm going to show you the rest of the messages in the summer. So here are the messages that have been preached so far. Um, At the beginning of June, we talked about that we introduced a series by saying we have a new nature, all right? This is the good news of the gospel that you are a new creation. You have a new identity. And you know, um, the whole idea of identity, what it revolves around is who does God say you are? Who does God say you are? We build, we, it's easy to build an identity for yourself based off of your experiences, what other people say you are, maybe what the world says you are, but the only place that we should really build our identity from is who God says you are, and we find that out through his word. So the first, that was the first message in the series, laying the groundwork of what is your identity. Then in week two, Luke preached on being living sacrifices, and I just want to say this. There's something... Luke is one of the other pastors here, the other executive pastor. And kind of the thrust of his message was, where is your passion level for Jesus? Where is your passion level for Jesus at? How are you stewarding excitement um, to to be in relationship with Jesus? And he really challenged us that this this comes back to how we think. And we need to renew our mind, and we can renew our mind into a place where we're always brimming and we're pressing in with passion to, to know the Lord. Um, and then in weeks three and four, Van had some just really powerful messages. Seeing yourself clearly, he talked about um, being sober-minded, meaning thinking of yourself, how God thinks of yourself, not making dreams in your life, an idol. Who here's ever made a dream in your life God. Right, we've all. So, if if you're not raising your hand, it's because you haven't realized it. (laughs) Because we've all had a dream or an idea or something we were passionate about or excited about, and what we ended up doing was figuring out a way to get there aside from God. You know, God gives us dreams, but we can only get to our dreams through God's way. If you, if you try and get to your dream through your way, there's going to be a lot of pain and suffering along the way. Okay, So that's what Van talked about. That was some beautiful alliteration that I just released over you guys. Um, and then week four, constitutional gifts. This is a powerful message about unity in the body of Christ. How do we work together? How do we recognize the um, giftings and the skills and the talents on other people's life in a way that allows us to work together rather than to compete? Right. It's so easy to end up competing with other people who you're actually supposed to be working together with. Um, Last then the last two weeks, we've been doing these messages on character. Luke's message was phenomenal. Here's the here's the awesome line from Luke's message on character. You don't know that you have a political or religious spirit until you're being delivered from it. And, you know, when we say the word spirit around here, we're not always talking about a supernatural thing. Sometimes we're just talking about a way that you think. You know, we all have built up ways to ways of thinking that aren't necessarily how God thinks. And a huge thing, like to the predominant, attitudes and ways of thinking that distract us from thinking how God thinks is a political spirit. And what a political spirit is, it divides people based off of beliefs and says you can't love people without your belief. That's what the political spirit tells us, the political attitude, remember? I think there is truly a demonic spirit, probably, that has to do with politics. But when I'm saying the political spirit, I'm talking about uh, thinking a, a way that your mind thinks that says, if you don't agree with me, I can't love you. And you're stupid and wrong and fill in the blank, you know. That's what the political spirit says. The religious spirit, um, which again, I just want to emphasize one more time. These are attitudes of our thinking. Sometimes there's an actual demon or an actual spiritual force behind it. But a lot of times it's just a way we think. What the religious spirit says is, I am only, my worth is dependent upon my actions, And I only can gain um, acceptance and love with God or with people. You know, the religious spirit actually attacks relationships. You don't have to be a spiritual or religious person to be impacted by the religious spirit. Because what the religious spirit at its core says is, you are only worth so much as what you do. Okay, so I'm gonna start, I'm gonna stop preaching these, these other messages and I'm gonna try and get to preaching my message. Um, Jordan last week, he's, he talked about character part two and man, what an amazing message. Who was here last week? Wasn't that powerful? Some of you guys are thinking, you need to let the youth pastor preach more. <laughs> okay, and I'm thinking it too, because he killed it. Um, and the thrust of Jordan's message was all about connection. It was, the, the premise was healthy relationships can only be um, can only happen when we live in a place of when we live in a place where we're pursuing connection with other people. We're not pursuing being right. We're not pursuing um, ourself, you know. But we're actually pursuing connection, heart to heart, understanding with other people. That's really what I'm going to talk about today in my message. Um, at peace with all. But before I dive into my message, let me show you what we're going to do the rest of the summer. So that you can, something, something really cool I'd suggest you do is read these passages the week before we preach on them. Make it part of your quiet time routine. Make it, maybe you don't even have a, maybe the idea of spending daily time reading the Bible is like a whole new concept to you. That's totally cool. This is a time to engage with that. If you've never made a habit of reading the Bible every day, what I'd suggest you do is for the, for the month of August, take a picture, pull your phone out, take a picture of the screen right now if you want to. But then every day, set aside 10 minutes where you're going to, where from um, eight, okay, I'm trying to just make updates in my mind, but I can't. So starting tomorrow until August 4th, read Romans 12, 19 through 21 every day and just say, Lord, what do you want to say to me about that? And then the next week, do the same thing with the next chapter. So this is what we're going to be talking about the rest of the summer. Um, it's going to be really good. And... This is a great series. I just wanted to clue you in, okay? So, before I dive into my specific message, At Peace With All, I want to take a moment to uh, honor a staff member of our church who passed away two weeks ago. If you were here last week, we uh, talked about Lee Marsh, and we, um, we shared some memories of her but and, and what she meant to the church, but Lee, is one of the, Lee was one of the longest... Um, standing staff members at the church she'd been a part of the church since almost the very beginning started as one of the office administrators and there's and uh ended as one of the pastoral staff on the church and just so many people in this room have so much love in their heart for lee right and we just we want to really honor her we don't want to just breeze past her passing and act like we can just continue business as usual because Lee was an important, important part of this church. And um, we're, we're really thankful for what she did, for, the, for how she was a leader in the church, and we want to continue her legacy and, and honor her memory. And one of the ways we're going to do that this morning, I want to share with you guys a prophetic word that Lee gave my dad, my, my dad's van. He started the church. Him and my mom started the church together. My mom was that beautiful lady on the screen in that video. Okay. Um, but here's a, I, want to, I want to share with you guys a prophetic word that Lee gave to my dad and to this church back in 2009. And it's really cool because it was like a six-part prophetic word, and we feel like we're kind of pressing into that sixth part right now. And, and by the way, if you're not familiar with the idea of the prophetic or prophetic word, what we believe here at Vier Northwest is that God speaks through his word that this is like our foundational place that we can hang on to understand God, to know God, but also that he is still speaking today. He'll never speak something that contradicts his word, but he'll speak things that are necessary and important for us to continue in our Christian life. And just really quick, to blow your mind for a second, did you know that this this book didn't just like drop out of heaven when Jesus ascended into heaven? You know, that, like, it wasn't like Jesus went up and the Bible came down. <laughs> there was a long period of time where people did not have this Bible, but they were thriving in love with Jesus Christians, all right? So I'm not downing the Bible. Like, thank God we live in the period of time of history where we all have complete, easy access to the Bible in the United States. But I just want to say that this alone is not enough when you take it away from a living, active relationship with Jesus. You can quote tons of Bible verses, but not actually have a heart-to-heart connection and relationship with Jesus. That's possible. And we see that through the Pharisees, these dudes that, okay, I'm going to stop. But yeah, so we really value God's word right now. Sometimes God speaks something right now for us to hear, for us to grab onto, something that we need to hold to. And um, it's not something that you just read in the Bible, but it's something he actually speaks to us as people. And then we discern and we pray and say, Lord, is this you? Does it contradict the Bible in any way? And if it doesn't, then two thumbs up and we go forward. So here's the word from Lee. She gave this word in 2009. She, she was listing out kind of phases and seasons of this church's life that she sensed the Lord was, was telling her were going were gonna to happen, okay? So in 2009, um, which is a kind of crazy year in this church's life, she said the word for 2009 was clear direction, okay? So that's number one, clear direction. Phase two was a new coming, Phase three was going the distance. And then phase four, and those first couple, I didn't really have dates for, but phase four, a new beginning, and I'm not trying to explain to you every single piece of this prophetic word, but phase four, a new beginning, that was in 2014. And what we saw happen in 2014 was about 120 young adults start coming to this church in the matter of like six months. Like all of a sudden, there was just all these people of the church in between the age of 18 and 30 that were just like here all of a sudden. And it was like, oh my gosh, okay, there's something new happening here. And that was that word that Lee gave, a new beginning. There's people shaking their heads because they remember how just like all of a sudden there's all these young people around that they didn't know before. Um, Then season five, as we could call it, or the next season was called Restoration. And we feel like that's the season we've been in as a church for the past two or three years, restoration. And the big key of the season of restoration was learning our identity, learning our identity. Who are we as sons and daughters of God? Who are we as children of God? And then season six, and I really, this is not me trying to get mystical or weird or something, but I really feel like Lee's death was actually the, uh, the marker of of the sixth part of her word starting and coming to pass, and I felt like it's not like she prophesied her death or something, but I just felt I feel like the sixth the sixth um, phase of this prophetic word that she gave to our church, we can see that it's starting because we don't because she's not here anymore, and this is what um, phase six is. A picture is going to come up behind me, but phase six or the sixth part of the prophetic is that does that make sense to you guys? What I'm saying, okay. Um, number six is this wings like eagles. Amen. Wings like eagles, okay. Specifically, there's a verse attached to that. And it's Isaiah 40 31. So if we pull up the the sweet eagle, okay, and then Isaiah 40 31, this is what it says. But the people who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Do you guys want to stand up with me? I just feel like we're supposed to kind of pray and, and embrace this and just accept this as kind of like marching orders, you know, like this is what God is saying to us right now for, our, for us to kind of like bind our heart, you know, like our attitude as a church around this verse and around this idea of wings like eagles. Um... And also, I just want to say one more time, man, we do this because we just love, part of why we do this is because we love Lee and we want to honor her. We do not want to just move past the loss of Lee and act like it's no big deal. We value Lee so much. So, wings like eagles. I'm going to start praying, okay? Just, let's just hold hands. It feels right. Let's hold hands right now. And Lord, we just thank you for, um, thank you that we can rest. Thank you that we can be a people who wait on you and I just speak that over you guys, veer Northwest, people here, wherever you're at. I just say you're a people who are good at waiting on the Lord. Every person in this room, I just, I just speak that over you. You're good at resting in God and waiting for the Lord. That is where our strength comes from. And then I just say this, from that place of waiting on God, you're going to do things you never thought you could do. So I just bless the destiny and calling and the um, amazing things that you, right now, some of the people in the room, what you're experiencing now is you're feeling heat on your shoulders, and you're feeling heat on your back. You're feeling something almost like rest on you and land on you. If, that, if you're feeling that, what that is is God's commissioning you. He's assigning you. He's releasing kind of like destiny and calling over you. If you're sensing that, just wave your hand really quick. So just bless that, just that sense of calling and um, things being stirred up. And that's how we're going to do that. And then here's the last really cool thing. These are the last two things. You're going to run and not grow weary. So I just release energy over this room in Jesus' name. Right now, Lord, give us wisdom on our diets and our sleep habits. (laughs) I release wisdom and courage over people's diets and sleep habits right now in Jesus' name. You are sinning by not thinking about this, Okay, I'm not trying to bang you over the head, make you feel bad or whatever. But this is an important thing. Think about your sleep habits and your nutrition. Take good care of your body so you have a lot to give to your children, grandchildren, and the people around you. And then here's the last thing. They will walk and not faint. They will walk and not faint. Not you will walk and not feel faint. You may feel faint, that is okay, but you won't faint. So I just speak um, faithless to the end over you in Jesus' name. You will not faint. Receive that. I just break the lie right now that you're a failure. Some of you guys have already believed that you're going to faint. If you've believed that, just think about it. Think about it for a second. Have you believed that lie, that you're going to faint, that you're going to fail, that you're not going to make it? If you've believed that, I just encourage you right now, just say, I reject that idea in Jesus' name. Just say that in your heart. I reject the idea that I'm going to faint. I reject, I just break that lie over you right now that you're going to faint in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You may be seated. What do you guys think Van and Luke are going to think about the fact that I just said people were sinning? That was like so non-vineyard to just tell people they're sinning. But Okay, so this morning we're going to pick up in Romans 12. I have two verses, Romans, 7, Romans 12, 17 and 18. I just have some thoughts for you. I'm going to buzz through these and then... Um, you're going to have a great Sunday. So Romans 12, 17 and 18. If you want to turn there with me, you can. Here we go. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I want to start with the first part of verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. As I was thinking about this this week, here's what popped into my head, okay? This is just totally Wilson just making things up, but I think it works. There's three levels of evil I want us to consider, okay? Three different types of evil I want us to consider. Here's the first. Socially unacceptable evil. Paul is saying, if someone does something wrong to you, do not murder them. Do not strike them with your fist. Do not um, go to their house and steal from them, OK? Do not practice socially unacceptable evil when you are wronged. Now, I think we all are kind of like on the same page there. You know? If you've done those things, that's all right. You know, I've done socially unacceptable evil in my life. But that's not really what I want to focus on right now. Here's the second layer of evil that I think we can think about. Socially acceptable evil. Okay? Socially acceptable evil. Man, I just feel like we're getting fire and brimstone this morning. (laughs) I just told some people that were sinning, and now I'm talking about three different levels of evil. So socially acceptable evil. Here's the things that pop to my mind gossip and slander. Gossip and slander. I'm going to just, I'm just going to I'm going to go on a limb and say that I believe in our society today, these are acceptable on some level forms of evil that we practice. And I don't, I think in general, this room is amazing at not practicing these types of evil. Okay. I just want to tell you that. Like, I I don't, I'm not just saying that as like a way to make you, like I could say that to kind of soften you up so you'd listen to me right now, but I'm not saying it for that reason. I really believe this is a group of people here that are not prone to gossip and slander, okay? But all of us slip into it. There's not a person in this room who doesn't at a point in time speak negatively of someone else when they should not or, or talk about someone else to someone else in a way they wouldn't if that person was present. That's what gossip is. It's, I'm, and usually gossip is birthed out of a place of frustration with someone. And also, you know, if I'm gonna be honest, where gossip is birthed within me, where it starts within me is when I know something interesting (laughs) about somebody else. And there's just like this inclination in me, like this is, I wanna tell. Like, for some weird reason, I want to talk about this. Like, there's something in me that's like, well, it's just interesting, you know? Let's be honest. We're all interested in other people's lives. We are. We just are. Now, that's okay. It's okay to be interested in other people's lives. What's not okay is to want to talk about other people's lives for your own entertainment and for your own gratification. So, look, this is a way that we can um, intentionally resist evil, is when someone hurts us, when, when someone does something wrong to us, you know, when someone has paid us with evil, we don't go gossip about them. We don't go talk about them to somebody else. You want to hear a funny story about me gossiping once? This is like the ultimate fail gossip story, OK? And I'm, it's, it's just a bad story, honestly. But the fact that I was 16, I think, makes it not so awkward and bad, OK? My friends and I were out um, playing laser tag. And there was a there's a girl with us that was kind of known amongst us amongst like a group of people as being a girl that kissed a lot of guys. All right, and that girl was in the car with us. She was you know our friend whatever. I mean I say friend because I wasn't treating her like a friend with what I'm about to do. Okay, and look you can lighten up, you can laugh a little bit. Don't feel awkward right now. Okay, it's okay to kiss a little bit. Um, so. I noticed that this girl and my other friend, who she'd never met, were flirting a lot while we were playing laser tag. And we get, we get get so we leave, we get in the car, we're driving, and I just think to myself, like, oh, I'm going to be really cute and funny here. I'm going to text the guy and say, dude, you could totally kiss Kate. And so I get my phone out, and I type that all out, and I hit send. And about 10 seconds later, Kate goes, what does this mean? You could totally kiss Kate. And what I had done was I had texted Kate those words. (laughs) I had texted the girl those words. So that was stupid. That was gossip, okay? We don't need to do that. We don't need to have this Like what was in me was like, I know this thing about her and it's going to be fun to tell someone else about it. Like, well, no, we don't got to do that, okay? Let's just let go of the need and the desire to want to tell about other people's stuff to other people. Okay, we're all interested in other people, but being interested doesn't need to cross the line into gossip. Does that make sense? Now, here's my third level of evil, and it's subconscious evil, okay? This is bitterness and unforgiveness. It's having a bad heart towards people. Sometimes we don't even know that we're doing this, you know? Someone does something wrong to us, and we don't go murder them and we don't go gossip about them, but we actually just carry something in our heart. We carry something in our heart towards them, like, well, I'm not trusting them again. And hey, if someone breaks trust with you, you shouldn't just automatically trust them again. But you shouldn't not trust them again to punish them. You should not trust them again because it's not wise. There's a difference. We can actually, when we withhold love in our heart for people, what we're doing is punishing them and we're committing subconscious evil. Because we're supposed to have love in our heart for all people at all times. I'm not saying you're gonna live in a constant state of 100% love for everyone at all times, but that is the goal. You know that God loves all people at all times? And we're called to do the same thing, okay? We're called to imitate God in our heart. And imagine if God was up there just mad in his heart at people, like how much that would mess things up. So I just wanna encourage you guys, you can love people that have broken trust with you. You can love people that have hurt you badly. And I'm not talking about a warm, mushy emotion, OK, of affection. Love and affection are different. What I'm talking about is not holding an anger or a bitterness or resentment in your heart towards somebody because they've done you wrong. We've got to drop that. We've got to let go of that. The, actually, the worst, the worst result of that is it jacks up your relationship with Jesus. More than anything else, because God doesn't have that in his heart, God only has love in his heart for everyone in the world. So when you have a heart that says, oh, I'm, I'm just going to be angry at them. I'm not going to trust them anymore. You know, I love them, but I don't like them. That's not true. You can't, that's the dumbest. No, it, I would rather some people like me than love me based on our definitions of like and love. But you get just, I'm just going to leave it there that we want to have in our heart what God has in his heart. okay. Don't repay people evil for evil by holding a bad heart towards people. Now, um, second part of verse 17 says this, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Before I move on there, let's let's just pray really quick about the evil thing. All right. I just want to release um, grace and mercy over our hearts, but also give everyone in the room, including myself, an opportunity just to repent to, to God. And just say, hey, Lord, as Wilson was talking it popped up in my head where I've committed one of those three. And maybe it didn't pop up for you. That's okay, and I believe you. But if it did pop up for you, let's just take a moment to deal with it, Okay, I'm going to pray and lead us through a prayer. And this isn't something where you need to raise your hand or stand up or anything like that. That's not even appropriate right now, because this is between you and Jesus, not you in the room, not you in the people. But let's just take a moment right now so we don't forget, all right? Lord, will you identify some, anything that we're holding on to, where we're, we're committing one of these levels of evil against another person. We want a clean and clear connection with you, Jesus. Right now, the Lord is just gonna bring things to your mind. Don't run from them, don't be scared of them, don't have shame for them. He's bring it to your mind so you can deal with it. All right, I just want you to isolate what came to your mind to up to three things. We're not gonna do a 29 minute, 10,000 degree sozo right now, okay? Just think about the one or two, three things that the Lord just popped into your head, the ways that you've been committing that evil. And I just want you to do this. Just ask the Lord how he feels about that person. Whoever's coming to your mind right now that you're mad at and you've committed that evil towards, you know, Just ask the Lord, how do you feel about that person? And I just want you to tap into God's love, his heart of love for that person right now. And then just in Jesus' name, just say say these words. We're all gonna say these words out loud together, whether you're doing this or not. Everyone in the room, we're just gonna say on the count of three, I release them and I'm sorry, okay? One, two, three. I release them, and I'm sorry. So I just bless that confession. I just break bitterness and gunk off your hearts right now. Thank you, God, for open connections with you, open connections with the Father. Free us from those little layers of of bitterness we have in our hearts so we can have that deep intimacy with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, verse 17, part B. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So the first part of this verse, give thought. What he's saying is think, then act, okay? Our knee-jerk reaction a of times is to do what's wise in our own sight. Jordan talked about this last week. It's the end of verse 16. He says, Paul said this, never be wise in your own sight. The opposite of being wise in your own sight is doing what is honorable in the sight of all. We can be wise in our own sight, Or honorable in the sight of all. So the way we manage this is before we act, we stop and we think, am I doing this driven from a place of what I want? And will other people recognize that this is wrong and stupid of me? And if the answer is yes, you don't do it and you stop, (laughs) okay? But if you realize, oh no, this is honorable in the sight of all, then you just keep acting. But what Paul's getting at here is don't look at yourself as always being right, Don't look at yourself as the ultimate measure and litmus test for how you should act. Actually consider how your actions affect others and they affect people around you. All right, now let's go to verse 18. Here's the kicker. This is the big verse in the message. If possible, so far as it depends on you, give thought, wait, crap. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I lost my place there for a second. I love this verse because Paul, it's like the ultimate, like, um, he's saying it like as soft as he possibly knows how to. All these clauses. If possible, so far as it depends on you. So it's like he's like saying it like this, like, if possible, you know, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, okay? Not like, live peaceably with all. You see the difference there? Live peaceably with all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. He's giving these clauses, you know, because it's not totally within our power to live at peace with other people. You know that? That If you want to, if you are going to make your goal, I will always live at peace with all people. What you're saying is, I will always control my environment. I will never be out of control. I will always get to where I want to go in a relationship. And you know, that's not how it works. You know, that's not how it worked for Jesus. Jesus didn't always get to the place he wanted in relationships. You remember the story of the rich young ruler. A young man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him what to do and he says, I don't want to do that. And he leaves. The, end, the second half of that story isn't Jesus running after him. Okay, I'll take off a couple of those conditions. know, Jesus, all right, we're not going to be living at peace, I guess, but I, I'm okay. I'm going to keep going. So what I'm getting at is in order to um, really, live a life where you 're constantly at peace with lots of people you first need to embrace the fact that it 's out of your it 's somewhat out of your control to have perfect peace with other people it 's giving up the idea of control and f- for the next few minutes, what I want to talk about is connection I think that 's what Paul is getting at here when he says peace he 's saying do your best to live in connection with other people this isn 't something that we can always control but it's something we can pursue. It's something we can make a goal in our relationships. Is that this goal, or is that this relationship would be a relationship where I'm first and foremost, where I'm actually seeking connection with this person. And what connect, where, where connection is started is through understanding. When you make it your goal to understand and to listen to other people, it's not gonna be hard to get connection with them. Because you're putting them first. You're not being wise in your own sight, but you're doing what's honorable, in the sight of all. You're pursuing to understand and to listen before yourself being listened to and understood. So this is a long game thing, okay? The idea of living peacefully with all is not about immediate gratification. It's not about every single one of our relationships being perfect and harmonious, It's about a trajectory in life of I'm going to do everything I can on my end to have good, open connections with other people. But I recognize that sometimes that's not going to work out. And that's, but that isn't, that, the ones that don't work out isn't going to stop me from pursuing connection and understanding with the next person. That's a big stumbling block, right? Is I got hurt in this relationship. So now I'm never going to open up that part of myself again to anyone, that happens so often, right? But that's not how it should be. We should say, OK, I already knew from the beginning that I wasn't going to have perfect connection with everyone. I knew from the beginning I wasn't going to have a perfect relationship with everybody. So the fact that this relationship isn't going well, it's OK. I'm going to move on to the next one with the same goal of connection, understanding, and a heart-to-heart type of, um, of love for one another. Now. This all really starts on the inside, this idea of connection. Um, peace, living at peace with all, it, it goes deeper, I think, than we consider. And before I even say anything else, just to introduce that idea of peace kind of going deeper than we think, I want to show you a, a, a video clip. So if we can roll the clip. It's not gonna make any sense For until I explain it. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres For than people. For your information, think. there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Example? Example? Okay. Um ogres are like onions. They stink? Yes. No. Oh, they make you cry. No! Oh, you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown, start sprouting little white hairs. No! <laughs> layers! Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers? You get it. We both have layers. <sighs> oh, you both have layers. Oh. You know, not everybody like onions. All right. So as I, as I got that ready this week, it struck me how far animation has come technolo- technologically. Did that, did that come out to anyone else? Like, okay. Um... So here's what I want to tell you. There's a lot more to peace than people think. There's a lot more to peace than people think. And here's what I want to, here's what I want to propose to you. Peace has layers. Peace actually has layers. And there's three layers that I want to highlight with peace. The, the third layer, the outermost layer, the one that Paul is talking about here, <clears throat> is peace with people. It says, so far as it depends on you, As possible, live at peace with people, live at peace with others. This is the third layer of peace, okay? The second layer of peace is actually having peace with yourself, being a person that feels connected and okay on the inside. And then the primary, the deepest layer of peace is peace with God, okay? What I wanna say is this if you're not having peace on layer three, The problem might not even be on layer three. The problem might actually be on layer two or layer one. If you don't feel like you're getting peace in your relationships with people systematically or even just in a moment, you feel like, man, I'm just not having peace here, what I'd encourage you to do is to look deeper. Look at like, do I actually feel peace internally? Do I myself have peace right now? Am I in a place of angst? Am I in a place of anxiety? Am I in a place of fear? Am I wanting to control this environment? Am I wanting to control this person, control this relationship? Do I feel like something is owed to me that's not actually owed to me? All of these things can lead to us not having peace with ourselves. Here's a couple enemies of having peace with yourself perfectionism. Perfectionism is when we give ourselves too high of expectations. It's when we put expectations upon ourselves that God isn't putting upon us. And perfectionism will always lead to anxiety, to a sense of um, disconnection and not having peace with yourself. Another big enemy of peace with yourself is shame. It's when you condemn yourself because you don't have peace. It's when you're not feeling good and so you feel bad because you're not feeling good. Why do I feel so bad? Man, I suck, whatever, okay? So that's one of the takeaways for today is that to have connection, to have peace with other people, one of the first steps is we think, do I have peace with myself right now? Am I connected with myself? Now I wanna go to um, the first layer really quick and then I'm gonna tell you a story and we're gonna end, okay? But what's most important is we have connection and peace with God, If we can always get to the place of, I feel connected and at peace with God, then we can work out from there and things will work out. When all else fails, you just go back to your relationship with the Lord and you say, where do I not have peace? Where am I feeling off center with the Lord? Where am I feeling like disconnected from God? And you know, there's really good news of the gospel is that God has done everything he possibly can to have connection with you. That's what the gospel message is. In Romans 5, 1, it says this, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have, everyone say have. have. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 27 says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This isn't um, hyper, hi, hyperbole, you know? Jesus isn't saying, um, he's not just making an exaggeration statement, right? And yet we sometimes experience not peace. Anybody not been at peace sometime this week, right? And yet Jesus has left peace with us. Why is that? It's just because we've stepped outside of that place. We have free will. We can do things that that, um, disconnect us from God. But if we say, okay, I know that God has done, first of all, just the truth that God has done everything possible to have peace with us should bring us peace, just embracing that truth that God has done everything he possibly can to have peace with me should bring us to a place of peace, all right? I'm going to crash land this really quick. When I was in college, for my freshman year, this is 10 years ago, I was messing up in all kinds of ways. I was going to UC, living with my friends, living with my girlfriend, getting in all kinds of trouble. And every week, my parents and I, every week or every other week, my parents and I would meet up for a breakfast at Panera in Clifton. Every week we'd meet up and never do I remember them ever trying to convince me to change. Never do I remember them telling me what I was doing wrong or offering correction to me. What I always remember them doing was trying to connect with me about what was going on in my life. I would tell them the stupidest things that I'm sure they just want to be like, don't do that. <laughs> and instead they just go, really, what are you thinking, you know? And they'd probably take turns like kicking each other under the table <laughs> to control themselves. But what were my parents doing? They, were, they had peace with themselves. They didn't have peace with me. <laughs> they did. Well, look, my older brothers were way worse than me, OK? <laughs> like, if you want to talk about not having peace with somebody, look at my, no, I'm just, my sister Angel, they always had peace with her. But they didn't have peace with me. Where, so how did they have peace? They had peace with themselves, and they had a connection with God. And from that powerful place, they related to me in love, not in control. And this is where I am today. Because my parents didn't relate from a place of control. They didn't try and correct me and tell me everything to do, which I'm sure they really wanted to do, and I'm sure all of us really want to do when we see people doing something wrong. And there's a time, too, OK? There is 100% a time. But you know what wisdom my parents always say? As soon as your child is out of your house and on their own, your teaching years are over. Your connecting years have now started. When, when people, I'm going to just give everyone some marriage advice, or I mean some parenting advice. I have a, four, uh, a one-month-old and a two-year-old, but I'm just going to do it, okay? <laughs> your job is not to control your adult children. That's right. Your job is not to is to tell your adult children the choices they should be making. Your job is to steward a heart-to-heart connection with them so that through your heart-to-heart connection, you can manipulate them into doing the right thing. <laughs> okay? That heart-to-heart connection of love can, can change them way more than your words can. But look, all of this starts with us having peace with ourself. Peace with me realizing that God has done everything on his end to give me peace. I can be at peace with him. And now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to relate to a world where I'm not always going to have peace with everybody, but I'm going to make it my goal to have peace. I'm going to make it my goal to have connection with others. So you guys stand up. I'm going to pray just to end. Lord, this is what we want. We want peace and connection in our relationships. (coughs) I thank you so much that we have peace and connection with you. Wow, such good news that we live in a covenant where we don't get afflicted when we mess up. We live in a covenant where it's Jesus's um, sacrifice that determines your love for us. It's no longer our works and our actions, but that your love is unilaterally determined by your son. So Father, will you just release your grace over the room right now for us to live and to walk in a place of connection with you, connection with ourself, and then to pursue peace with others. In Jesus' name, amen.